Sky Torch. Hero Beacon. Scatter the darkness. Burn, as you burned in days before. Show her the darkness before the daylight of history. Warn my daughter that war has come. And protect her. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Zack Snyder's Justice League by the Minute. Part two of our initial overview, what we call a signposting through the movie of where we are going through section by section before we go minute by minute. I always feel like I need to open this by saying if people are used to our like top level analysis, that is absolutely not what you're going to be getting here. What you're going to be getting here is what a normal person would do, which is talk about different sections of this movie, what they like about them. And what they would be really interested to, like, quote-unquote, listen to a podcast about. But then instead of listening to a podcast, you and I will be recording it later to just an inane degree of detail that is both an incredibly massive investment of time, potentially family-ruining investments of time, but I'm nevertheless so excited to do it. Yeah, well, and then after that, we will listen to a podcast about it once once we recorded and edited it, and we li- I listened back at least. So we will be listening to a podcast, but we just have to make it so that we can listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But before we talk about things, we need to talk about what we're going to talk about. As always. On- only we could be that pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hey, if you have a brand. With that said, people have already listened to part one of the film, our thoughts on it, and what we're going to be talking about and diving into. Now we move into part two, The Age of Heroes. A new toy? Prototype troop carrier. I once knew a man who would have loved to fly it. Best minds of Wayne Aerospace couldn't make it fly. But you can. I have no choice. I need more range, I need more cargo. I think there's an attack coming. Not coming, Bruce. It's already here. The, the first one, you have this feeling of like Superman being gone and trading the, the mother boxes. That's such a big part. So it's kind of funny then to lead like from that into like you feel like the Age of Heroes maybe was just ending. Well, we get our Age of Heroes title card and then we get Steppenwolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making his stronghold, which is, um, hey, I guess in, in re- well, we don't know about the history lesson yet, but this is going to be a whole lot of parallels going on here. Uh, but before we get to that, that kind of caps off the this part two, but I think the way that it starts is... I'll just run through, just so we know the stuff that we're talking about, and yeah, people sure. can picture this. We basically go through everybody's motivations, right? Like, we get Bruce's explanation of his mission and introduction to Silas and Star Labs and a little bit of Vic. We see Hippolyta firing the arrow, Diana finding the arrow and getting that whole story. Then we get an introduction to Aquaman with Volko. And we get Steppenwolf meets Desaad for the first time to get into their headspace. Well, we also get Ryan Choi in there, too. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I do not want to skip over <laughs> Ryan Choi. Like, I'm, I don't want to make that mistake again. Yeah. Diana brings her history lesson to Bruce, which concludes the section. Um, on the overview, I think what we will be talking about for this section of the movie, when we really get into the minutiae of it, minute by minute, is... The plot started in part one, but in part two, like part one was almost completing the previous film. Like it was, it was making the handoff in my mind to this new story. And then as this new story actually begins, Vic 
and Arthur and this new Bruce and this, I, I mean, new Diane almost in the way that what is new to her is new to us as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like setting up people's motivations and, okay, who are they actually going to be in this Age of Heroes? It's like, okay, we're now we're starting a new Age of Heroes. Okay, and please welcome to the stage, your heroes. <laughs> Except for, um, interesting enough, I guess they've got Flash as a part of the story because they're looking for him. But it's kind of crazy that we don't get um, Flash's intro until after this, which we'll talk about in the next section. Yeah. One thing that I found really interesting about this, though, is that I think one of the sort of unanimous things that people say about this movie or noticed right off the bat is how different it is from Batman v Superman. And a lot of people are always asking, like, what's your what's your ranking? How do you and I can't I, I hate ranking movies in the first place. As anyone who like, you know, listens to this podcast can probably imagine, I think probably both of us would be like, what do you mean rank? Like what time of day is it? Where are we? Who are we with? What do we have to eat? Do are yeah. there genre constrictions? <laughs> like it's just not the way we think. However, having seen it more times than I even remember at this point, it's just kind of constantly on um, and then having broken down the first section and, and watched it with a minute by minute analysis on some level, the place where we are right now, it feels just like Batman v Superman after the Africa part ended the way it's structured. You have this, this, this sort of introduction at the beginning of like the, here's kind of where we are slow motion. And then you've got this inciting incident with some kind of action in it. Cause I remember there were multiple times in BVS where we're like, now the plot is starting. <laughs> but it was always like layers of plot, right? It's like Superman is yeah. dead. That's the that's the plot. And then we've got like, oh, Steppenwolf arrives in the mother boxes. Okay, there's the plot. And then we get here and it's like, no, no, here's the plot. <laughs> and it, and so, like you said, we get the character motivations and and all that. But this feels very much like coming out of um, out of Africa and then going into BVS. That's where you say here's here's Lois on the bullet subplot. Here's Clark and he's learning to look around and 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 balance his priorities as a hero and. Here's Bruce. He's hunting uh, Superman, right? And then, and then here's Lex. And it's uh, structurally, it's kind of fascinating how similar they are at that level. Like, if anyone wants to know the kind of stuff that we're not going to be going into on this cursory walkthrough, it's going to be obsessing over every line of Alfred's dialogue or the inside of Bruce's plane. <laughs> but uh, okay. We're not going to assess over every line, but one thing that I did think that was really kind of fascinating about this first interaction is how Bruce is a very changed person from who we met in Batman v Superman, and that's kind of clear already. Yep. The Aquaman scene, he was, you know, in a little bit of a tense situation, but especially here, you kind of see like, oh, wow, he's the, there's the sun is in the windows and he's shaving like he's taking care of himself. Like there's a lot of yeah. visual things that say like he's in the light. He is, he, he looks fitter. He's like a little slimmer even than he was like Affleck changed his body shape. He's not so a, a hulking brute. He's like clean shaven. He had a little bit of stubble and like all yeah, of there's a softness now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's talking to Alfred about the, his inspiration to save people. And it's so crazy. Cause you even got like, they're looking through files in here. So it's very similar to that first scene in BVS where he's like new rules, except here, Bruce is like, I'm going to find these people. And Alfred's like, hold on. <laughs> How about, you know, like we like slow down. How do you know that this is actually your job to do? Maybe you've all, like, and I just find that really fascinating that Alfred in BVS, it was like, I think we referred to him as like the moral center. Or actually when we talked about the wine, the 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 crater in about how the idea of Alfred as like the um the not the sommelier but the the, the responsible 
the, the, some, the symposiarch who, who yep. moderates the to make sure that the the um the people don't get swing too drunk one way or the other. And yeah. so it's funny that you Bruce went from this dark place to this now like a manic phase almost if you're going to talk about it in terms of like a, a swing from him and Alfred is right where he was before serving as that moderator of like now d- d- do you need to get that carried away here hold on <laughs> and that's just the, it struck me so hard because of how how much he was trying to lift him up in in BBS yeah and we know that Bruce is operating on knowledge that Alfred doesn't have obviously and Mm-hmm. <laughs> Admittedly, it's a lot to buy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what, what he's selling here. But I mean, on that note, it's a tough thing to say. Oh yeah, we have weird monsters <laughs> coming to Earth, and then cut to Star Labs where we have actual monsters showing up. But um, it's I mean, Joe Morton is just he's going to replace like our Perry White in this movie. Oh, sadly, yeah. for the I moments mean, that we adore with him, because Perry he's White Miles can't Dyson. be replaced. No, but. Yeah, for, I, uh, for our enjoyment, he is he is stepping into that. Yes, um, um, was probably the biggest single like of all the things that changed in from the the theatrical cut and got added back in with this. I did not expect to be as in love with his character and performance as I was. Yeah, and uh, like I won't. There's not there's not a ton here. Like it's we'll break down all these shots one by one. But the one thing I wanted to call out is having seen some other superhero. Uh, movie TV stuff where the exposition is exposition with a capital E. <laughs> Just Chris Terrio's dialogue. Eleven thirty, early night for you, Silas. Uh, I you know I know exactly who that character is in a single line of dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I really have to say about. And obviously, you know, we get the we get a bit more of him connecting with Vic and um, Silas is an expert in creating monsters. I think is in this part, but um, but it's still very much being teased. I think the the Silas and Cyborg subplot is uh, the slowest burn, probably. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's of all the places in the movie for you to talk about exposition with a capital (laughs) E versus whatever, um, versus what Terrio is doing, um, is that the, um, (laughs) and this is like the second time I brought it up, so we're trying to avoid comparing too much to the theatrical cut, but literally they they took all of Cyborg's origin and put it in a 30-second um exposition where he's just like here's what I've been doing all night father and then like <laughs> talks about um him right. his like the their situation and so the fact that you get all of that in this without any of those words being spoken I think just shows the type of like this is what we love about Chris Terrio's writing and then we love that with you know especially like with Alfred and the other one but here with um obviously um Joe Morton and uh and Ray Fisher get a lot of of good stuff from from the script. I will have to stop myself from saying almost anything about this Amazon arrow lighting firing because I I'm so in love with every frame of this and like every line of dialogue and every bit of music that I am forced to wait. But man, if if after part one I was hoping for Zack Snyder to do something with the Amazons, then this is just like you have to now. Yeah. To the extremes of 300. We're going to be talking about like the Snyder, I feel like more than Batman v Superman certainly. We'll be talking about Zack Snyder's filmography as we as we talk about Justice League and this is like these are going to be minutes where I just get to profess my love for 300 in all ways. <laughs> I love how um he got that out of we saw that with the Amazons already 
But then it's so cool to, to show us a different era of like the Atlanteans and the Amazons. And it feels like such a natural progression. Whereas like they haven't, they, they aren't, uh, they haven't developed in the same way that like the men have with technology and everything, but their societies have clearly, have clearly changed. And that's another bit of like, it's not really a relevant story, but it's, it's almost like a mini like society arc <laughs> that is kind of in the movies that you can compare between the, the, like the armies. Yeah. And it was like the, it's certainly, just by tone, parts of Wonder Woman and the Themyscira there felt light. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lightness to it that this is now we're we're venturing into the ancient tradition, like the oldest tradition that we have people beating drums and carrying. It's just, you know, the most classical circumstance. I want to talk about every single one of these Diana scenes that are like insert shots of Diana, the Indiana Jones. In Diana Jones. <laughs> oh, no. And do it, you know, taking all of the, the steps back through history that is like this. And as she does it, like the color palette switches to sepia. Yeah, to, exactly. To unite. I mean, it's all uh, well, God. And then, of course, that insanely beautiful. I'll just call it a, what do we even call this? Classroom. There we go. The With the mural? Yeah, exactly. It, the movie kind of changes vibes, I feel like, almost a number of times where it's not just yeah. like the color palette, but it's like it takes a deep breath and it's like, all right, now we're going to do something a little bit different. Like you said, the sepia and the, and the, our, the, you know, the gold, I think, like, if everything feels like it's shot in golden hour on top of that, but like literal gold and like the foil. Or like when, even when she's standing up front where, uh, with, that makes full use of the 4-3 or the 1.33 aspect ratio, which is actually fascinating because I was just listening to, um, the Rough Cut podcast had like the three editors on it um, that worked on the getting the whole movie cut together. And Dodie Dorn is one of the editors. And she said specifically that they when they were trying to decide if they wanted to put in the effort to make it 1.33 instead of 1.66, that shot of Diana holding the arrow is like what they looked at. And like, you know what? we like That's just like the framing of her legs and everything in there that has we have to go with the 1.33, which is funny because I think that's the one that, that's our go to usually <laughs> like whenever whenever it comes up. It's like that Wonder Woman shot. You need all of that. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's not necessarily Terrio's dialogue doing it, but between, I guess, Snyder's visuals and Terrio's like concise exposition, you get like a lot of story in this about the nature of the of the arrow at the Amazon shoot, and then one woman takes it down and you get the history visual there. Obviously they fill it in in detail in a in a second. There's a lot kind of conveyed there in the the Indiana in Diana I can't even say that in Diana Jones. I hate <laughs> you for even coining that. Diana Jones, yeah. Diana Jones. While we're getting this incredibly tasteful you know historic epic classical dive into history let's cut to aquaman getting wet (laughs) getting messy getting some attitude getting drunk if aquaman can get drunk good question for this movie good question for this movie all i have in my notes is what an introduction to the character Uh, uh, (laughs) like obviously chronologically this would have been the introduction to him, but it still is, I think, an introduction, the introduction to Aquaman. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it gets his, like, like, this is what his power, like, this is what makes him look powerful. Because I think, especially with yeah. a character like him, where it's like the like the super friends kind of mockery of like, I, I can help if we're near water. And it's like, oh, no, he's actually, Aquaman's a badass. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll get into this one intensely because of our (laughs) strong feelings about Aquaman and every bit of this set design and every freaking swish that he makes through the water. And uh, we're going to have fun with that. I will only, again, as a teaser of what I cannot wait to talk about, Volko enters and says, King who would be man. 
Yeah. <laughs> and let's go ahead and stick the pin in that and move on because that is like, we're going to talk for like 40 minutes about this di- what this dialogue does in, again, not only like explaining the motivation for these characters, but opening up a door to a massive world behind each of them. Exactly. Well, and that's one of the fascinating ones too, because um, in Chris Terrio's like scathing interview with Vanity Fair, he was asked something about like characters he was glad to see restored or arcs returned or yeah. something. The focus has been so much on Cyborg and the relationship that um, that Terrio had with Fisher while writing that. I was expecting him to jump right into that. But the very first thing he said was, um, how Defoe. could you not love having like William Defoe back in that? Um, yeah. What do they call it? Shakespearean or or something? And, I, and, and it was just fascinating to... To be like, oh, wow, the, his go-to is like, I'm so glad Willem Dafoe is back in this movie. But yeah, I mean, like, per your point with that line, he really is like batting 100 on every single one of these. Speaking of, Steppenwolf and Dasad, <laughs> like, I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of dialogue scenes in this section of it because a lot of people have to talk about what happened. Yeah. Well, it's so funny, too, because this is the part of the movie people characterize as, like, it, it feels so obnoxious to say, but I guess people get, like, zone out when there's not action happening or something. But this is not, to me, at all slow. I mean, it's, it's all engaging dialogue, and it's all got very, it implies, it's almost like John Wick level of, like, everything they say, you're like, wait, that implies a larger story. Like, an entire series, an entire, what, what would the term be now, phase of films mm-hmm. that is like, yeah, yeah, that's like relevant, but I mean, you know, we're, we're telling this story here, like, yeah. And to drive that point home, we're, we're now going to soon shift into explaining how this story is technically thousands of years in the making. Steppenwolf and Desai, I mean, uh, it's Peter Guinness and I'll say Kieran Hines. It, there is the character Desai that we'll get to talk about. And then there is the Desai presented through this intergalactic telephone wall <laughs> the multi that is just i mean he's like a nightmarish sculpture come to life yeah but um i the, the only thing i have written the the point that i made and it's what i want to talk about as we get into the actual history lesson because it isn't there is a way that we can talk about this how it's like oh this is so epic and this is so cool but i feel like i'm already seeing people with the comparison to Lord of the Rings, we can probably talk about this whole thing because it's, I think after this, it's just Diana shows up to, to begin the actual history lesson that we see. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have really important things to say about Wayne Aerospace on the water. No, not but, really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just, I think it's interesting that it's on water because <laughs> from the storyboards that we had seen of it, it didn't look like it was on water. And so, so it stuck out to me. And also it struck me as a decision that opens up possibilities in any other stories that might hypothetically exist of like of all the stuff that we know about i don't know why batman would need to be near water but it just it hit my brain as like oh man he could have like a submarine or something if he wanted (laughs) hypothetically there's a bat a bat submarine not in the story that we're gonna see that i know of but maybe there is one and then i just like having that in my head (laughs) okay well i'm glad that we made your fantasy of a bat submarine uh, we we put that signpost in. Uh, we can go into detail on that later. So, other but yeah, than that, the, other than that, no, I have no thoughts. Other than that, <laughs> because this is obviously, and we we talked in the spoilers, I think, discussion about the Lord of the Rings as much as three hundred presentation of this ancient alliance between man and Atlanteans and Amazons and old gods and guardians mm-hmm. from the stars. The Age of Heroes would never come again, right? This 
immaculate time in like before time. But I mean, we get the line of dialogue from Steppenwolf saying this world is divided. It's too separate to be one. Again, this is in part two. This is still early in the movie. This is clearly echoing back to Diana saying men made a world where standing together is impossible. Yeah. I really, really, really love the fact and think that this, I can't wait to talk about all of this history lesson in the context of Diana says part of the official story, Amazons, Atlanteans, men, their histories had taught them to fight apart. This was not some immaculate time when people stood together as one. Mm -hmm. This is a story about people who had disliked one another had and, bad and blood. None of them even none of the current current people knew why. All they knew was nope. we don't get along with them. This like, is our tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And everything about our history says that we should not come together, but they did and they won. Cut to New Age of Heroes. Guys, what are you going to take away from this? This is not some impossible time that we're going to try to recapture. No, what was the message of this history lesson? The kind of significance of that and why it's really cool while this is like her relaying the story to Bruce. He was the one that was refusing to stand side by side with, with others Yeah, right before this. And so he's almost like a, a point of view character in that sense of like, com we're coming into this and it's showing like, Hey, look, this is a thing that's possible as Bruce is literally trying to do that himself without getting too into the weeds here. I'll just say that is more timely and more timeless than I think is, is driven home in like the, the, if you want to say Lord of the Rings, like, mm -hmm. like you have in Lord of the Rings, you have like the elves and the dwarves don't trust each other. And then over the course of 3000, one battle, you know, exactly. Yeah. And over the course of like 3000 pages, you kind of see some elves and some dwarves warming up to talking. And I guess in, in Lord of the Rings, eventually you get the like, never thought I'd stand what side by side with an elf. You have to do the voice. I can't. Oh, <laughs> well, the line is there. Um, okay. And, uh, um, I know that me and everyone listening to this for a second was like, is he gonna, is he going to do it? <laughs> but that's fine. It's probably for the best that you didn't. No, it is for the best. That is why I refuse. No, but the, you know, the point is that it's, it, it, it is inferred like through character. Whereas here, um, Diana has the opportunity as the narrator to straight up say, this is what it is. This is what it was. Yes. <laughs> Well, boy, we'll have fun talking about that. Like, what did she take away from that? Because her last words to Bruce were, did this make you think, Diana? Like, did yeah. you stop and think about what you said to Bruce before you left the funeral? Well, she, it's the thing that brought her back to, she, he, she went straight to him exactly. after that. And she's in. He, yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, what was she doing in London before? I mean, the implication there is clearly that she wasn't like a part of his efforts. I'm obviously excited because we're going to be able to talk about like a minute by minute of this battle. And there are times in the past where we've realized like, I had no idea it takes a minute for that cop to get <laughs> up the stairs in Batman v Superman. But yeah. knowing that this might be the same thing where it's like, oh, we just get to talk about these three things. This is amazing because I want to talk about each of these for like 10 minutes. The, the, the battle and then the other part in this minute or in this section um, is, uh, oh, what was, there was another one that took up way more minutes than I thought it did. Um, I think maybe Diana going down to the shrine, which I guess is part of the, the history lesson. Oh yeah. But, um, oh, and the Amazon ceremony also, it was longer, um, oh, yeah. which I'm, I'm very excited about. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to talk about like 
just the the tinge of tragedy like we see a piney at her like most courageous she gets the slow-mo to a total freeze zoom Mm -hmm. in and she's already dead like we watched her die already Mm -hmm. that's just such a but obviously wicked battle everyone knows every beat of this we don't need to break down any of them right now but um exactly no i think that with the the big thing is the it's interesting that they never call him Yuxas because you know yeah. that um, Snyder can you know re, they all re, they referred to him as Yuxas as a part of the uh, like production like if they talk about him um, so I don't know if that was like a they tried recording ADR with with Gal Gadot and we're like you know what let's just say Darkseid or if they were like you know what we don't want to get into that whole like well he was called Yuxas then but it wasn't until far later after this invasion was over that he went back to the beginning like they don't just win but they like they win hard and i think that's especially with it being the fact that he's defeated by someone who we've seen wonder woman defeat by this you know at this point because that's who she kills in um in her own solo movie it's kind of really interesting then to to know like okay but so the whole kind of power hierarchy is is in question here but i think once we see steppenwolf face off against diana later on we get a better idea of like oh maybe things have changed a little bit yeah i think the the nature of dark side's uh loss will Mm -hmm. be something interesting to to get into because the way it's presented is in a way almost the least likely like the the way you would least expect in a very practical way like the first world to stand against dark side was this like rabble that decided yeah. to actually work together what does that say about the universe well and it's and it's small enough of a of an incident compared to how it normally goes that is like right. the first thing steppenwolf says when he shows up in the last um in the last chapter is yeah. he's like oh there's always defenders and they yeah. always fail <laughs> They're t- the world is too div- too separate to be one is such a well wow now we're, I'm just getting into it my brain is spinning into like <laughs> what does that say about Steppenwolf's idea of strength oh damn that's Arthur's idea of strength no no weak links in the chain yeah man okay yeah we have to stop that the important thing is <laughs> they said the Age of Heroes would never come again Bruce Wayne says one for two I, I we didn't get that moment of him being like Alfred Alfred. <laughs> I would like seeing Alfred's intercom go off. He'd be like, guess who just got one for two? And then beginning to be like, oh. you know that he was like listening in on the intercom and like the second is it over a buzz through in his ear and he's like, I told you she was the one. Yeah, we um, didn't get it, but he definitely said it. <laughs> oh, he had something. I mean, there, there must be it. Like, release the extended Snyder cut where the line of Terrio Alfred is in here of him. Um, with a wise crack at Bruce over the fact that he needed to recruit Diana, or or just went like made a, a shrug and a scoff and then down his scotch. <laughs> yeah, that would be actually that would be the perfect segue to our cut to black. Yeah, for the end of the Age of Heroes, <laughs> that every Age of Heroes needs a British butler scoffing. But yeah, that does it for part two, the Age of Heroes, double meaning. So many, man, we're going to have so much stuff to talk about, and this is going to be so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. And especially having the experience of doing BVS and multiple times being like, you know what, this is kind of, these arcs in this, I mean, it feels very much the same in chapters. And so now that they have the actual signposts on it, it's um it's fun to break it down now, but knowing that we're going to, that's going to add, add a whole new layer to um the way we examine each minute 
within each chapter. Like we're not going to talk about mo- a lot of these minutes without referencing the fact that like this is a part of the Age of Heroes arc. Uh, it is at this point that I will call out that not every character is in this section. After we saw the Age of Heroes referring to man, Amazons, Atlanteans, in this section we got our motivation for the Batman, the Amazon, and the Atlantean. Mm-hmm. And now with that settled, <laughs> we're going to move on to the origin story of our two new heroes. Yeah, interesting. This world will fall like all the others. For dark side. For dark side. Interesting. Wow, way to f- just all of the enthusiasm. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know that, like... You killed that. You yeah. killed all excitement with that. Wow. <laughs> I didn't... I didn't... <laughs> Interesting. 